0: through this. Now, real quick about the week. Uh, Wineskins posted a video uh, and the world blew up. What, what, uh, when we knew the video was being made, I thought it was a private um, school project thing and then I got a call on Monday morning from the Wineskins guy saying, did you know somebody just put that up on Wineskins and it's already taken off? I went, no, I wasn't aware of that. We're not embarrassed of what we do if it's all about the fact that we honor women in this church. That women can, pre- uh, rem- women can pray and women can lead at the table. And we had a, a preaching intern from Lipscomb who was a female. And although that time was over, it's amazing how many websites are up that we've hired a female preacher. Uh, that's, um, I'm not female. I have a high voice. There's nothing I can do about it. It's like mickey mouse went had helium on the way to scotland um there there were open letters written against fourth avenue uh gospel advocate did an article i think it was published yesterday so they're trying to keep it alive friends this is our church this is the fourth avenue church we aren't any other church We're trying to reach the lost in our area and show the love of Christ in our area. When we are attacked, we do not attack. I received myself about 2,000 positive messages. I think I've responded to about all of them, so don't ask what I did with my spare time this week. I got about 20 negative that I have not responded to because... Well, let's put it this way. As I drive to work from Spring Hill every day, I pass by land that was covered with blood when brother fought brother. I don't intend to fight my brothers, and so I don't. Uh, I don't spend any time in defending myself. That's not my life. Now, your mileage may vary, and this is what I'm concerned about. Your families may have come at you saying, look at this, what we found. You may have kept from them that we're a happy church, <laughs> and they just, they just found out, and they are appalled. And my heart breaks for you, because I know that my family is estranged from me over these things, and has been for years, and I don't want that to happen to you. So we're going to help you. It's a bit offensive, whenever people think we haven't read two verses in the Bible uh, thinking that we haven't looked at first Timothy 2 or first Corinthians 14 they don't ask questions about it they just say you are ignoring the Bible no actually we read it and in first Timothy 2 it also says that men have to pray with their hands raised but you can't do that in those churches and it says that women are saved by childbearing which is not taught in any church which indicates that 1st Timothy 2 is talking about a local situation which we say it was and then we go to Galatians three twenty eight and a host of other passages and say women are equal with men in the kingdom of God we don't wash feet because we know that was a cultural thing and I'm really glad about that one we also don't teach about covering and uncovering the head for prayer But you know something, we're not going to respond in kind. What we're going to do is provide a one-stop place for you. And I've asked wineskins to do this as well, and they've agreed. Uh, By the way, wineskins called me very concerned that we might get angry at them. And I said, no, no, we're not angry at anybody. Uh, We want everybody to be happy, healthy, and let's go see Jesus. That's who we are. So no problems, no worries. No worries. They said, should we get people to sign releases? I said, no, you're released. Just go. But they're going to put it up as well. There are several Lipscomb professors that have written me saying, we support you 100% and we've written articles. And so we're going to put those articles up, along with our articles by other scholars, in a one-stop shop for you to where you can go and just click. And these are scholarly things. These are not attack things. There is, we would not put anything that says anything negative about any brother or sister on this planet. We won't do it. That's who we are. Last night, this church gathered and fed some kids from the projects, took them shopping with donated money to buy presents for their family, and then brought them back to be wrapped by uh, this church. Love and action. That's who we are. We even got some new names last night. I, Dave Cassily, he, he said, I'm a great rapper. And that sounded odd, frankly, <laughs> coming from a, a white guy that looks like Dave. And so I've been calling him Strawberry Ice ever since. <laughs> if you would like to join me in this. Um, but last night as I, uh, as I looked at what you do for people in the name of Jesus, I smiled once again and said, this is a church of empty hands and open arms. God bless you all. Let's get to Second Chronicles, shall we? So many stories, but I'm gonna leave those for your life groups and the small groups and the classes that use these books as their journey through scripture for the week. Remember that this book was written when the people of Israel were in captivity in Babylon, and some groups were being released back to Judah to rebuild the temple. And while the book of Kings was written to say, you sin against God, and this is the price, captivity, the book of Chronicles was written to give them hope for the future. And so it's a different spin on the stories, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. It was a this is where we were, this is where we are, and this is where God is taking us book. And so we began the Second Chronicles with the story of Israel's most successful king. Now well, David is probably the most famous king, but Solomon is the one who made it the richest, who pushed it out to its furthest borders and made as many allies as possible and he amassed a greater reputation, at least that's arguable, but I would say in his life he amassed a greater reputation in his world than did David. I remember Bible school prayers I uh, rather Bible stories about the prayer of Solomon. He was just a young boy whenever he became king. And instead of praying for power or riches, he, he prayed for wisdom. And so God says, I'll give you all of that, but especially wisdom. We were told he was the wisest mere man that ever lived. And yet, if you read his life, you kept going, he married how many? He, uh, he made treaties with how many countries? What, what countries did he make treaties with? He allowed what gods, foreign idols into the country? And you began to question his wisdom. He wasn't even a better father than David. His son, Rehoboam, come, becomes king. And when asked by the people, could you lessen our burden, decide, you know what these people need is a strong leader who just does what he does and the people just just have to follow it. And he decided, I'm going to rule as a, as a dictator, They're going to fear me and they're going to follow me, and they didn't. Ten tribes left and formed their own country to the north. Chronicles doesn't spend time on those ten tribes, but we need to mention them at this point. Because the new king of that new nation realized that if they go back to Judah, where the Chronicles book is about the people going back, and they start worshiping in that temple that's going to be rebuilt there, or rather, that's built there at the time, this isn't a rebuild that um, they're going to miss. They're going to say, you know, we miss this temple. We miss our family. We miss Jerusalem. Let's not be a separate nation anymore. So he built a different worship area on a different mountain so that they would stay away from Jerusalem. And that was the issue under discussion when Jesus meets the woman by the well. All those years later, she says, well, which mountain should we worship in? This one or that one? Well, back to Solomon and what went wrong. Solomon worshipped, this is very important, you've got to get this so you don't get 2 Chronicles, worshipped God perfectly when it came to ritual. He did everything God asked when it came to building the temple in great detail, if you read the book, great detail, he established the worship in the temple exactly as God said, if you read the book, he had, had the ritual down. But he didn't worship God outside the temple as he should. He had the ritual. He did not have the relationship. Solomon, if you look at him, he worshiped politics, money, fame, and every other worldly pursuit we could think of. But you don't see a lot of sign in his life that God got to rule his life outside the temple he was and here's the phrase to remember he was ritually right and religiously wrong and friends that's the problem Gandhi famously said that he liked our Christ but he did not like our Christians because he had not found any Christians that acted like Christ we need to be careful that's why that's another reason why there are many reasons why that I say we don't ever strike back we don't ever our weapon of warfare is love that's what we do because the world's watching and I'm concerned about the reputation of Jesus Christ I'm concerned about the reputation of his people therefore we don't we don't do what our bodies tell us to do my son famously a Marine called me this week and said you and I are just alike he says I know what I want to do (laughs) he says I'm not sure how you're not doing that he says but I you know I commend you for it and I said everything within me says you know get a rifle and climb a tower I'm a human (laughs) but I don't want to be ritually right show up on Sunday and do everything right and then leave this building and live wrong we have to not forget the lesson of Solomon and the book of Chronicles if we can say the importance of the temple was the lesson of 1st Chronicles 2nd Chronicles shows us the impotence of the temple alone if all you have is ritual you don't have enough it's not what God has called us to well, you've forgotten the point of it interestingly enough in the New Testament After all that time in the Old Testament saying sacrifice this way, sacrifice this way, sacrifice that way, in the New Testament we're told God hated the sacrifices. Well, then why did we have to do them? We had to learn something. It was a point, and we had failed to learn the point. So what's the point of our ritual? We take the Lord's Supper not because we've been commanded to do so, even though that's part of it. We do it because we want to be close to Jesus and remember Jesus. And we want to be close to each other and remember each other. The point of the ritual is what we remember. Ritual does not change hearts and minds to the degree, it can change them a bit, but doesn't change them to the degree that Jesus wants them changed. Even Rehoboam followed the ritual. But his heart was obviously not on the things of God, and the temple did not change his heart. Later, in the Old Testament, we'll even hear God complain, you built better temples for yourself than you built for me. That's an interesting thing, especially in our world, to be thinking about. Early on in 2015, we're going to look at the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and see that God wanted that temple rebuilt. But he also wanted the walls rebuilt. When we think of walls, we think of human rules. Do this, don't do that. Touch this, don't touch that. Jesus' rules are a different kind of wall. Love God, love each other. That's the wall. Nothing should get past that wall. That is not love God, love each other. In fact, they will know, Jesus said, they will know you are my followers by your love for each other. He never mentioned the ritual. We're not a faithful church because we do certain things in certain ways. We're a faithful church because we belong to he who is faithful. That's the difference. The walls aren't about things like, you know, you might be thinking, well, we've let a lot of things pass the wall. There's music and there's art and there's women praying and this, that, and the other. But that's not unusual in the scripture. It's all through the Old Testament. It's also back in the book of Revelation. Why we think there's a period in the middle where God doesn't like anything is interesting. God is not a lawyer and we should not have to follow the ideas of reformation lawyers around the time of luther and calvin and knox we should go back and listen to jesus instead we religion not a matter of ritual doing the right things in the right way there's not a myth, there we had a mythology when i was a boy i was taught that once upon a time all churches believed the same thing and then apostasy hit and yet when you read the new testament you find the churches there didn't believe all the same thing and in fact, in the council in Jerusalem, the elders, when they could have sorted it out, didn't. But instead just said, don't act like pagans. Keep yourself clean sexually. Follow Jesus and send them home. Wasn't trying to get conformity even then. Because if you start going for conformity, then you develop a Jesus and religion. Jesus and this ritual. Jesus and this restriction. Jesus and this law. No people. Jesus is enough. We don't need the ands. I think rituals are important. They have a great place in our society, in our families, and in our religion. I wouldn't dare try to go through a week without the Lord's Supper. I need that. But we need to remember the power behind it and the point of it. That's what matters. So when Jesus met the Samaritan woman and she asked about the temple and the mountain, Jesus didn't even answer the question about which mountain was the best one. She said that when the Messiah come, he would, he would answer all of those questions and Jesus then revealed himself to her. He said, that's me. He's the answer to our questions. Look like Jesus. Act like Jesus. Talk like Jesus. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to do. The temple is now us, according to Scripture. It's not a building isn't it interesting that Jesus died to give us freedom from the temple and for 2,000 years we've been trying to drag him back into a box he says no it's now it's you you're the temple you're the priesthood we're going to look at a lot of scriptures here in the last uh, section of this it's not the last few minutes don't get your hopes up but let's have a look starting with Colossians um, is Colossians where I wanted to go first hang on i th- i had 1 corinthians 3 16 did i skip there we go don't you know that you yourselves are god's temple and that god's spirit dwells in your midst stop right there before we go any further when i was a boy do you remember this we only use this verse to say don't smoke <laughs> you want to talk about ripping all the power out of a passage no that's not it you are the temple you are the meeting point of God in humanity. You walk about as the temple of God. It's a fascinating, powerful passage. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. All these sacrifices and offerings up to God, how do we do that today? It's not by meeting here and singing a few songs. It is by our decisions when we leave this place. Our words, the use of our money, the use of our time, the way we treat our husbands, our wife, our children, our parents, the way we treat people in school, at work, on the street. That's where we offer up our sacrifice. In 2 Chronicles 5, God enters the temple in a very powerful way with smoke and fire and it's amazing Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2 he does the same thing to the people who wait on him in Jerusalem he comes to us in a powerful way some will not understand this and they'll run back to ritual because ritual is a lot safer makes us feel a lot more secure I know I was I would have written hateful letters 25 years ago i understand the motivation is not hate the motivation is there's fear but also a sincere belief that this is the way things should be but it strips the power out of our life when we strip it down to ritual and rules think of them even Josiah in 2nd chronicles he restores the book He restores the rituals, but he doesn't listen to God outside the temple. And he dies because of it. We've got to remember the temple alone is not enough. Or how about James? James died after being thrown off the temple according to tradition. It's not history. We don't know. But tradition says he was thrown off the top of the temple. But think before he died, obviously. This is what he said about our faith. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Where where are the deeds? Are we saved by works? Absolutely not. But works are evidence of faith. It shows us, it shows the world, these people really believe this. this. This is real to them. It's why we never bite back. We practice love. The great pianist, those of you who don't know the word, it means a piano player. It's a good, it's a, it's a good word. Uh, Paderewski once told a, a, um, a reporter who interviewed them, he said, if I fail to practice one day, I notice it. If I fail to practice two days, the critics notice it. If I fail to practice three days, everyone notices it. And here he was, one of the most accomplished concert pianists of, of the century. It's the same with us. If we do not practice love one day, it'll be noticed. Two days, It'll be really noticed. In three days, everybody will see it. Therefore, we always practice love. We practice what we believe. We're not restoring an earthly temple. We are the temple of God. And we will live as a temple of God. We will be centers of grace, forgiveness, and blessing for anybody who meets us. Amen, church? Because that's who we are. One wonders then if the temple was not that good for them or didn't really work for them, why'd God move them back to Judah? They thought it was to rebuild walls in the temple, and that was certainly part of it. It would be wrong to say it wasn't. But there was another reason that they could not have guessed at it's because God wanted them in Judah, because one night he was going to invade the earth. He was not going to show up in a temple, but in an annex to a guest house. He was not going to come with an army of angels, but he was going to come as a baby. Think about that. As we look at 2 Chronicles 5, verses 11, forward to chapter 6, verse 2. The priest then withdrew from the holy place. All who were priests were, who were there had consecrated themselves regardless of their divisions. Regardless of their division. Hmm. All the Levites who were mus- musicians, Asaph, Heman, Jeduthun, their sons, relatives, stood on the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen and, and playing cymbals and harps and lyres. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices to praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the temple of God. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have built a magnificent temple for you. A place for you to dwell forever. What Solomon didn't know was that God had no intention of living there forever. He was going to move to a different temple. You. Those of you that believe in Christ and have put on Christ in baptism are the temple of God. And now the lessons of Chronicles become our lessons. The mountains in our life, the important things in our life, what matters in our life are our high places. What what is your high place? What do you put on the highest place? Will it be a temple of ritual only? Impotent, if, if left alone. Or will it be false gods whether uh, wealth or sex or whatever that the world offers. What is in your highest place? We, the people of God, say, we place God alone on the highest place, and we are his temple. Amen, church?